Welcome to another episode of The Brett Bailey Show, where I find inspiring men to share their story, impart their wisdom, and hopefully change your life and the whole masculine culture at large. If you're somebody who wants to be free of their deepest fears, find real emotional freedom, and attract the life of their wildest dreams, then you are listening to the right podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into another episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Brett Bailey Show. I'm very excited to have you today. We're going to dive into deep conversations around what we've each been going through, myself and Richard, um, who I'll introduce in a second. And my intention for today is to give you guys a sense of releasing your own shame by us sharing what we're going to share today. I really hope that you can, in your own life, begin to admit some of the ugly truths that you're seeing within yourself and in your life. And the part you've played in in creating that and also where it comes from to not just blame yourself, but to come from compassion. And as you guys know, this podcast is all about vulnerability and brotherhood. And so um, we have none other than Richard Mole today to come in and share some of his gifts and his perspective. So Richard, thank you for coming on. I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks so much. And you nailed my last name. Pretty much. <laughs> I only had to practice it five times before. So I'm glad Don't worry. It's a difficult one. Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, uh, let's dive right in. I just love to know um, for the audience, just a bit of your background and your story, just so they kind of have a sense for who you are and what really truly drives you. What's the core of what drives you to, to get up and do the work you do? Mm. So kind of a background of who I am. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a lad from Surrey in England. Uh, mm. It's kind of the belt around London, which is oh. kind of quite a uh, a very safe, sheltered life you know kind of white middle class very chill um and that never felt um like I quite fit in with that yes and, it, and it, it was a great upbringing in many ways but I suppose that led me along a path of starting to delve into to different types of things and I was always into kind of more esoteric things like philosophy and uh and, and hypnosis my dad was always doing meditation from from when I remember you know, I'd go upstairs and say, dad, you know, there's a phone call and he'd be sitting there, you know, with his eyes closed, you know, meditating. So I've always kind of been into that stuff, um, even though I had quite a traditional, traditional background. And then kind of, I wanted to, to, to be a therapist and, or something like that when I was about 18, something like that, quite early, I'd read all these books. And um, my dad was very much into personal development, um, did Tony Robbins and, uh, you know, landmark, all these different things and helped out. So I was around a lot of those things. He gave me a lot of those books, you know, um, the Napoleon Hill books and you know anything you could think of and, and teenage version books. So the seeds were planted quite early with my dad. So cool. Yeah. And then as time went on, I kind of, I got this idea and feel free to stop me because I could ramble for a long time. Yeah, is, uh, is I, I saw this, uh, this TED, TEDx talk. And I think I'd already kind of, started the idea um it was a feeling inside I, I wanted to take mini retirements and this guy talks about taking these mini retirements now rather than later so what's a mini retirement he would be like okay so if the business he was a businessman if the business is getting stagnant if you're getting bored don't wait till you're like 80 or 90 like take one of those years and chuck it in when you're when you're 22 when you're 25 when you're 26 we take a year out often in england i don't know about probably oh, you know, yeah. and, and so but but yeah right uh, but then people seem to stop doing that yes you know so i decided to do ah, like about three years of work really like okay let's you know experiment i used to be a personal trainer uh then i was a fitness manager 
Then I took an, a year off, went to Brazil, studied capoeira, um, learned the language, all that stuff, did some charity work. Then I came back. Then I did my own personal training business. Then for about three years, then did another year, went back to Brazil, another three years. So I just repeated that over about 15 years of my life. I was a teacher in primary schools. I taught stories to kids. I taught cool. music, uh, <laughs> like so many different things. Wow. Um, and it was such a powerful thing to do to and, and to build all those skill sets. And it was a bit like Steve Jobs says, you know, you can't, you know, join the dots forwards. Yes. You can only join them backwards. You know, and he did his calligraphy yeah, course yeah. Uh, at uni. You know, a lot of people know that story. And it became useful yeah. for him later on. So much of my life has just been a big, long experiment for about 15 years, to, you know, till I was about 30 two and then I came back ah I remember I wanted to be a therapist I wanted to be a coach I wanted to do this stuff I wanted to be a spiritual teacher whatever a hypnotherapist Mm -hmm. and I came back to about five years ago or so um because my stepmom is a is a a life coach successful life coach in the UK and she wanted some help with some stuff um and that was the the trigger the spark I was like oh yeah the spark it was a trigger and that started and I didn't end up working with her. I ended up moving to Bali and, and doing my own practice. But that was kind of how I got here, was, mm. was experimenting for about 15 mm. years uh, and just seeing, you know, what skills I enjoyed, what things I liked. And, and to kind of cap it off, there was a book I read at uni when I was 18. And it wasn't a particularly amazing book, but it said in it, do what you like and you won't go far wrong. And I just kind of followed that. I was just like, okay, I'll do what I like and see what happens. Wow. That's so many way, uh, directions we can take that, mm. but I'm sure you can um, see Richard that in our society, there is a huge lack of that sort of patience and yeah. willingness to explore. Mm. And my perspective of that is because the, the reason that that's the case is because two things, one, because we live in a very instant world uber um skip the mm. dishes netflix porn it's everything every, every pleasure we want is very readily available and then this secondly because we seem to val- uh, reward in our society you know fame fortune and applause um mm. and that's why i think that a lot of people can't actually take that patience but for you what what were the benefits of taking that extra time and did you feel the pressure to also conform to maybe a more um um, uh, externally successful path that you know some people might uh, um, people might refer to it that way did you feel that pressure to conform or was it pretty easy for you no I felt it you did. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I think I was lucky because I had aspects particularly of my dad and you know although I was scared yes. of doing things I was I was okay to fail you know I was okay yeah. to fail um but yeah the amount amount of times right the amount of times as as i got older as well brett like as i got to like 27 oh i i 27 i came back from australia and decided to be a musician for uh do music right and that's also helped with this and, and i and i did it you know and yeah. and um and i played at festivals i played on national radio and stuff like that and and it was great you know um and there were so many times, you know, especially around that time when I got to, you know, when I was in my 20s, people were like, that's so cool. 
wow, you, you're going to here or you're doing that. And it would feel great, you know, for my ego as well. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Uh, I do it. You know, I'm not scared. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, of course, there were moments I was scared, but it was when I got to like 28, 29, 30, where it's, I, I don't know, Canada, but it's like, okay, what's, what's wrong, Rich? Like, why have you not got a, yes. a wife or uh, going to have one or have kids? You know, let's... You've, you've done it now let's let's get serious now yeah you know? time, and, to get, and that, time to get your shit together richard you know exactly so, so that kind of built 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 um and i'm lucky like you know my mum and dad overall were pretty pretty supportive you know um very supportive but there was just a general overall pressure i think i felt from society you know um so there were moments i was just thinking you know it's when it doesn't go quite right you know, when you've just messaged label after label. Or I remember I was on Radio 2 with Dermot O'Leary. I don't know if you know him, um, but uh, it's a, one of the biggest um, radio stations in the UK. It's huge, millions and millions of people. I got a Saturday night, Saturday night slot um, after Will Young and uh, huge. Went really well, really enjoyed it. I even had pneumonia. I was coughing and stuff. I managed to get through it. Wow. And uh, I found out later that... Um, the, the main kind of manager there, um, he had put my name forward. Dermot had said to him, my girlfriend told me this time, I hadn't heard it. Dermot O'Leary said, this guy's really good. I wasn't signed at that point. This guy's really good. Can we get him a manager? And they tried to, they contacted this like big head manager who manages really big people. And he looked to my staff and said, he's too old. Wow. And, and there's moments like that you're like then the pressure's coming then the doubts come in and you're like yes. what am i should i just stop like what am i doing or you're touring yeah. in germany and you're like lugging your shit around and it's raining and you know you're yeah. on your own and you're like and you're staying in a hostel <laughs> you're like what am i doing or the gig, gig gets cancelled and you're you've gone to another yes. country and you're like uh, you know i could just yes. get a job that pays better i could just do the the easy i'm sure you felt it the easy route you know get a job and, and it's always that it's always that constant thing and i help clients with it's certainty or uncertainty yes and in the uncertainty you have to go inward and go like can i do this and it's it's vulnerable it's it's a uh, yes and you have to learn to detach the external from the internal. So it's not so painful, but not in a negative way, in a more like, it's okay that I feel I'm doubting myself. Yes. It's okay that I feel like maybe I made a wrong choice. It's yes. okay. It's all okay. And I had a client I worked with, and our mantra, you know, it would just, he, he said it to me, and I'd always just, if ever he was having doubts, he was feeling vulnerable, he was having challenges super successful guy and i just go i'll just call him john for now i just go john it's okay hey john it's okay and so it's just kind of in those moments of chat yeah challenge it was just speaking to that other party just going it's okay it's okay it's okay i'm curious how you do that detaching process because what you've just described there is um, like a, a very great way of describing the main challenge that 
um, I face um, and men that I work with face is making that detachment from, and I'm not sure if this is exactly what you meant, but what I'm mm. talking about here is the detachment of my self-worth from the external things that go on in my life. And even to the point of detaching from my thoughts and emotions, not in a way of dissociating from my body, but sure. in a way of like a healthy space and non-identification with everything that's going on. How do you start to make that detachment and why is it important to do so? God, that's a, that's a tough question. It's a great question. And I'm still learning this all the time, mate, to be honest, yeah. constantly. I'm just, it's, it's this amorphous, ever-changing thing. Me too. And we can try and, yeah, right. And we can try, try and explain it intellectually. Um, and that's what I'll try and do. You know, it's like um, the Zen monk points at the moon and the dog right. looks at his finger and he says, don't confuse my finger with the moon. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just using words to try and describe something because it's really an experiential, like, um, right? Yeah, right? It's an experiential yeah. thing. So but I'll try. So firstly, if I'm having a moment like that, and let's say recently I had some real issues in my back. Uh, and it's probably been one of the hardest things I've ever dealt with, which sounds crazy, like a back. But I've hurt my back before. But this one was different in many ways. And one of the key differences was that I couldn't hold my daughter for months and months and months. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and she's eight months now. But yeah, it's been like three months. Wow. And yesterday was the first time I held her probably really? for a long time. Yeah, so so that was pretty wow. tough. And then the, the other thing, uh, and I'm going to use this, I think, as a good example to try and describe, answer the question. Then I also couldn't show up as a partner. We were doing a lot of things like breastfeeding, co-sleeping, a lot of things that make it really hard, especially for both of us, but for Jade, my wife, uh, bring up Rumi. Um, and because I had a bad back, First two months, I was like carrying baby, lunges, squats, keeping fit, walking with her hours now. So I could really take, you know, a lot off Jay. Then I hurt my back and slowly, slowly, I was like, I can't do this, can't do this. And I had to stop. And so oh. I, I could see Jade, you know, at moments. And Rumi is amazing. She's just this, this ball of energy, though. She's just constantly like, never stops. You see some babies, they just lie there. They're like that. Ah. <laughs> and then we're looking at Rumi. Rumi's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I love her, but Jesus Christ, she always needs something. So yeah. it put a lot of pressure on Jade. Um, and she yeah. would just get upset. She's just, you know, she's at a limit. She's just done. And she'd be crying and she'd be angry at me, but not wanting to be angry at me and angry at the back. And I'd be there and I can't yeah. pick up the baby while the baby's crying. And so it got really hard. Woo! So, so yeah, I mean, right? And you've got this identification of being a good partner, being a good father. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> yes, oh, man. Yes. I was boom, boom, boom. Oh, literally, <laughs> literally just like freaking out. Sorry, yeah. I just bring you back. And then, um, so, you know, I'd, at moments I'd say, like, you know, I'm just going to just go off for a minute and just take a moment, you know, can I? Because I'm not helping anyone here, you know, and she would just be angry at me. She'd be like, just go, just go. And you know, I was lying there in bed and just started crying. Just started letting it out, you know, just processing, like a deep, deep crying. 
And so that to, to talk about that process, it's I wanted to get sucked into something. It was like my mind was trying to suck me into like a depressive, sad, feel sorry state. And that's the difference. It's not a feel sorry for, because that's when you're like in it. So you have to dissociate enough. And a dissociation could be <clears throat> becoming present to the breath, to the sounds around you, you know, to your body. You know, I was lying on the bed, just my bed, my body on the bed, the sounds outside. And that's a form of dissociation from the mind that's trying to suck me in. So that's the first anchor point. That's like the first thing you've got to do, in my opinion, Yeah, really. Is, 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 is reg, regulate your breath, become aware of like, become yeah. aware of your senses. Yeah. So in any way you can bring yourself to the present, lots of different ways, but yeah. the probably easiest, most um, available way is breath, breath, yeah. coming back to the breath. And, and if you just, if your mind keeps wanting to suck you in, just come back to the breath. Yes. And your mind will go, Oh, it's not working. Yeah. Just notice that, let that thought float away. Remembering it's just a thought, not you, and come back to the breath, come back to the body, you know? And, and even just on a, a bio biological level, just that parasympathetic nervous system, which, you, you know, of course, you would know. And that's the kind of just trying to steady, steady at that point. And then, and I'll do that with clients a lot. I'll say, what's happening now? What's happening now? And that just brings them automatically to now. I'm just using language. And a what, which is a phenomenon. Oh, my body's feeling really tense. Great. So they have to be present to notice it's tense. Then when they have that, or when I was lying in bed and I have that, there's various things. In that moment, I just used an unconscious process consciously. What do I mean by that? If my breath is unconscious, right? Your breath is unconscious, but it's also conscious. There is a bridge. You can, right? We can, yeah, we can affect it. Even this, it's it's a conscious intention to move my arm, right? Some guns on the other breath. It's a conscious intention to move your arm. Now we see this thing as breath or moving an arm as normal. Oh yeah, I'm doing it. But I often ask my client, so how are you doing that? Right? They're like, how are you doing that? Well, I'm just moving it. But can you tell me how you're actually doing it? All it is is a conscious intention to move it. The rest is unconscious. Yes, understood. Right? The tendons, the ligaments, the muscle fibers. Now, here's the thing where people get confused about stuff and clients do. So as I'm lying in that bed, a client might go, how do you do that? How do you just let go of the emotion, right? So I'll sense there's something, something, tension in the body, a feeling in the stomach. So I know there's something there in some sense, but like, how do I let go? So I'm present now, how do I let go? I don't know how. Well, did you know how to move your arm at the beginning? And I watch Rumi, she's like this. She's intentionally just, she just wants to. Not how to, I want to. As long as someone wants to, they'll find a way. So she just wants to, she's curious. 
And eventually she couples the conscious intention with unconscious control. A computer is able to affect the, the machine. And so in the same way, I say to a client, if you can do this, you can learn how to let go of your emotion at will. So I lay in that bed because I practice over and over again. And this one I'm talking about is intellectual, but I'm trying to use some form of analogy to explain it. If you just have the one to, you will figure it out. Yeah. At the very beginning of my journey, it'd be I want to, I have emotion, I want to let it go. And it wouldn't come straight away. Or it might work. And then it would come stop again because I'd be consciously aware of it. I'd go, I'm doing it. Oh, no, I'm out now. Right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so it's that presence. And then the want to, not the how to, of I want to let go of this. I want to let go of it. And, and that's the beginning. And there's different things you can do. But predominantly, it's just a want to, to let go. And then allow yourself, just like you learned to walk a long time ago, just like you learned to talk. These are all conscious intentions to say a word. I don't know how I'm speaking now, <laughs> but I'm doing it. I don't know how. If I want to talk to you more lightly and kind of lighten it up, I don't know how I'm doing it. I'm just consciously having the intention. And it changes yeah. my tone, my gestures. Yeah. It's just the same. And that's why I try and teach my clients as much as possible but using a description but really it's about an experience so they can go hey i just have a want to and i'll figure it out yeah i mean i appreciate you attempting to explain that experience there because it, it's difficult to explain these sorts of really subtle energy mm. shifts um one one um phrase that i like from dr joe Dispenza is become more energy and less matter yeah. And the reason I like that so much is because the more I've gotten in tune with my body and done the body scan meditations and just throughout my regular day, just taking conscious breaths and just tuning in, mm -hmm. the more I'm able to actually sense more subtle energies that are even more fine than thoughts and emotions. And I find when we get to yes. that place, that's when mm -hmm. the detachment process really happens. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious to go into, because um, I feel like that was a great answer that I, I feel like we've given like enough. And I think having the desire to do that is great. And one more thing actually is that um, I can't remember which, which teacher told this to me, but forgiveness is one of the toughest things I've found for some of my clients to do. And I, honestly, not as much for myself, but more so for my clients to do for whatever reason. Um, have you found that as well? Forgiving has been a difficult thing that you've seen potentially in yourself or in your clients. I think we all have our own, um, emotions that are more difficult to let go past experiences why is it so difficult for us to forgive at times and how can we begin that process mm. that's a good question there's many ways we could look at that <laughs> the first way and i would say the most useful way is to realize that, just in my opinion, my experience, we can remove ourselves from being the person. Mm. And so who are we forgiving? Who is this person that we're talking about? So that's like a, and that might be a bit far, 
and it's sometimes a bit far for me, but I wanted to mention to the beginning. So what do I mean by that? There is this idea that there's this person called Richard, Rich, Richmore. Yeah. Right. Where is he? And so self-inquiry meditation talks about this. A lot of the work I do is forgiveness is, is almost a fallacy that there's anyone or anything to forgive. There is no person here. Yeah. Right. Now that's a bit, that's, a, that's quite far to go, but I just wanted uh, to touch upon. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was going to add on to that as well. Are you kind of saying like, if we don't have this perception of separateness, that forgiveness is almost like a natural thing that happens or isn't even a, wouldn't even be a way you can use it. Like it wouldn't even be a, a concept in a world where I truly believe that I'm connected to everyone. Like, because I really truly see the person who supposedly hurt me as myself. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's another nice way to put it. That's taking okay. you further. Yeah, that's lovely. Okay. Okay. But in a sense, okay, so if I'm lying in that bed and I'm being, you know, mean to myself, you know, and I'm like, I should be doing better. And why did I go to that osteo and then they had that hurt my back and right there's two ways i could approach it one from the personality way which i you know which i can say you know i forgive myself what's it like when i'm forgiving that's a nice one to do you know what's Mm. it like when i'm forgiving so rather than saying i forgive myself instead get into the feeling go what's it like when i'm forgiving and when you ask a question it has to be answered so if you ask, what's it like when you're forgiving, right? And then I will normally answer it by going, oh, yeah. and I think of times I was forgiving or how it is to be forgiving. And then as I'm feeling that, I then go, and now think about the problem. And now I'm taking like forgiving neurology or the, the forgivingness feeling and attaching it to how I'm feeling. So I'm putting them together. So that's one nice way to do it, mm. right? I like if that. I just said, if I just said to you, you know, um, I don't know, what's it like when you feel just like silly? Good. That was a good response. That yes. was a nonverbal. You already start, you know, because you know what it's like when you're silly, right? Yeah. When you're silly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can start to notice already. You start to, yeah, then you start to, you got a cheeky little look. So yeah. that could be a nice way to, to bypass the conscious mind and the overthinking and yes. just ask yourself a question. What's it like when I'm forgiving? What's it like when I'm kind and compassionate? And then don't try and do anything. Just notice what happens. And you might feel it kinesthetically, like, and you might just go, <sighs> right? What's it like when I'm calm? Or you might even a memory might come to mind and you'll go a, a memory when, you know, you were really kind to someone. And then say, you know, as I'm feeling that, just think about this problem. And then you might just go, yeah. Yeah, maybe I can just be a bit more chill about it. So that's that's one way on the personality. Basically, what we're doing is we're we're firing off two parts of neurology, the problem neurology, which is maybe me being mean to myself. Sure. And then the forgiveness neurology or calm neurology. And then we kind of swish them together. So basically what you're doing is you're you're changing how you you're changing your state and then viewing the problem from just a different state beautifully put beautifully yes. put yeah that's literally yes. it and yes. that's one of the ways i work with clients is you're it so this is this is the problem i understand it fully now we've fired yes. it off that's important to fire it off now yes. that's how you've been how do you want to be different how do you want to be different and then they'll go i want to be calm i want to be relaxed and i want to be confident right that's right and you know what it's like when you feel calm 
yeah I, well, okay no one's like sure. <laughs> calm calm yeah, they're yeah. like yeah and you know what it's like when you feel confident they're like yeah so as you're feeling that right now and how's it feel in your body sensations oh it just feels like tingly and and grounded right tingly grounded so as you're feeling tingly and grounded just think about that problem and you being mean to yourself and what happens now now being the key word and they'll go oh god yeah it doesn't matter that much i can just be chill <laughs> that's right you can just be chill and so that's one way is to kind of yeah. <laughs> go to a different place and view it, view it, view it, you know, from that place. And, and why is that important? Because if someone just, and I used to do this at the very beginning, if you just say, oh, I'll just be forgiving to myself, that's just all conscious fluff. And you're going to be like, the conscious mind is still too involved. The conscious mind is too involved, right? Affirmation. I just want to feel forgiving. I just want to feel forgiving. The conscious mind is saying it, it's doing it. Whereas if you go, what's it like when you're forgiving? That is now a unconscious process, which is memories, feelings, emotions. Now that's triggered. You're now in that place viewing it from forgiving. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in forgiving now. And you'll see it. The physical shift will change. Will change. They'll go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So forgiving, it's nice, or their voice will drop and it'll be more soft and warm than before, yeah. right? Now it's all unconscious. And then you attach it in what we call a, um, intuitively an intuitive question, which is, as you're feeling forgiving, think about that problem and notice how you feel. The conscious mind can't get a hold of that. It doesn't know how to process that. Right. As you're feeling that feeling, think about that problem and notice how you feel. How's it can't do anything? So the unconscious mind gets to go, okay. So as I'm literally here, I'll take it literally, as I'm here, feeling confident and forgiving, I'll view that negative voice. And now that negative voice is no longer just a negative voice, it's the forgivingness, it's the calm, it's the yes. confident, and it shifts, but it yes. has to be unconscious. If it's too conscious. And this is why, I mean, you could do, and it can be really powerful. You can do like inner child work. You can do um, regressions, which are very useful. The mm -hmm. issue is with some people, including myself, if you think a lot, the conscious mind, you know, if you were kind to the, you see the child, you and you're kind to that child and you give them what they needed back then, it can be very useful. But if you just do it in a very conscious way, the conscious mind just runs through it like a procedure in a linear way and you don't really access those deeper parts of yourself that are the emotions yeah. and that's where at the very beginning when i started this work you know i might take them through that and i can tell their voice isn't really changing and i'm like i don't think anything's really happening they're just getting a, a different point of view and then at the end i go how do you feel they're like kind of the same yeah so you want to you want to move the conscious mind out the way through accessing states accessing direct feelings um yeah or the the kind of the the coup de gras you know <laughs> that, that i'm searching for is very much realized that who is the person that needs forgiveness this person does not exist and i'm not saying i'm there yet at all in any way but yeah. the idea that rich exists brett exists is an illusion Yes. Instead, all there is, so if I'm lying in that bed, there isn't Rich who is trying to be a good father or a good husband. There is just this human being lying on the bed and he is feeling energy. There is certain energy that his mind is creating. And if you can observe that, 
And we could say forgiveness is like acceptance. And so if we remove the forgiveness and we just accept everything within us, a thought, a thought about being a man and what that involves, mm. then inherently in them itself, that is forgiveness, acceptance. But we can remove yeah. the story of being a person, yeah, very difficult, and thoughts. A person, rich, is just a bundle of constructions and thoughts that yeah. create a person. And if we can just, instead of getting involved in the thoughts, remove the person completely and realize we're just this fleshy suit that is having a current experience and accept all of that experience, like the sensations you talked about, with no story attached, then the tears come because there's nothing yeah. holding on. And that's yeah. just energy and it gets released. That's, that's those steps, you know? Oh, that gives me such a great distinction. The ego is what's holding on. And once there's no ego, yes. then there's nothing yes. holding on anymore. So it just flows. And that's why exactly. it's important to go into the unconscious. Uh, yes. It makes, makes so much sense to me. Um, and it's the reason why I'm such a big fan of breath work, actually, especially in work with men. Yeah. Because yeah. So many men hold like in hypnotherapy sessions. I've noticed I, I've never trained in hypnotherapy. I've done some hypnosis um, and Men hold on so much more than women, I've, I've noticed. And mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if it's a gender thing, but I've just noticed that. 100%. The reason you've noticed that too in your experience. Big time. Even myself. Yeah. I've got a massive ego. Men have yeah. seem to have a lot bigger egos in general. It just seems to be the case. Um, it kind of makes <laughs> sense, right? I mean, you can see why it makes sense, no? Um, I see. I mean, the reason that comes to mind for me is that um, men are usually more primarily masculine. And masculine is more about logical processing where women are primarily in their feminine energy, most women. And so there is more intuition and connected to the body. That's, that's my two cents. Exactly. And if you take that to a biological level, which is where it all starts from, and then we try and transcend that is at least with, uh, with uh, our species, male dominance, the way the females, uh, it's a self-selecting system of men. The females don't have to select. Jordan Peterson talks about this quite well. It's a self-selecting system where uh, aggression, uh, dominance, um goal win fight win female win be top not cohesiveness not intuition like the female and what what drives that an ego i am the best i am the strongest if you're like well, maybe we could all do this then you're gonna be like, bam and hit on the head <laughs> the gate, right it's yes. no i'm stronger and better and i'm simplifying things to an extent because we know yes you know certain primates have social systems that that's kind of that's kind of a thought too but 100 agree yeah what you're saying well, anyways, the reason I brought it up in the first place was because what breathwork seems to do and, and um, yeah, what breathwork seems to do is it seems to just get guys in their physical. And I even like adding in like workouts or ecstatic type dances before doing breathwork mm. sessions as well, because it just kind of gets like, it releases some energy, gets them in their bodies, gets some blood flowing. And I always use the, the reference of like, when you get cut on your arm, your body naturally heals it physically. And it's the same with our yes. emotions. If we just get out of the way, the, the energy wants to come up. It wants to come through you. But if the ego is there, like you're saying, holding on and it's pushing it back down because it doesn't want to feel it, then nothing's ever going to change. You're not going to transform. And I think there's this huge fear of feeling, especially for men. And I'd love to dive into that now in, uh, with you is like when you, through your experience with men and in your personal experience, what happens to men such that there's this fear around feeling or showing vulnerability or sensitivity or allowing themselves to tap into that? What's been a block for you and what's kind of the block that you've seen in your work? Mm. So, so some blocks that have come up for me is, uh, over time. Often I was okay showing feelings. I was lucky. My dad was very communicative. 
and it was a pretty safe space. Having said that, he has an interesting mix of being very, he's a very successful businessman. Uh, and he has a very interesting mix of being very logical, very almost can be cold in some senses, not in a horrible way, but very logical. Uh, his wife did a test on him. Uh, she does these tests for corporates and she did one of these tests. And he had this blue bar that was really big and green bar that was really big. And green was warmth, groundedness, intuition, and blue was very cold, logical business type stuff. He had yeah, a very both. rare case of two being oh. very high. It's very rare. And I think I have something similar. Whereas I can be very logical, very, you know, you can even hear it in the way I talk about certain things of, of hypnotherapy in the mind, but also very warm and light. And I can drop, the thing is I can really drop into one or the other. And if I have the right trigger, so for example, when I started my business, um, I clearly was getting stressed, clearly, but I had this thing, you know, it's like, um, a Sufi saying you can see, you can smell everyone else's you know stuff but you can't you can't smell your own <laughs> yes. you know and so I couldn't smell my own stuff it's right in front of me yeah, yeah and I couldn't see that I was stressed because I was like well I'm not someone that gets stressed I'm calm and I'm a relaxed person and it just right. built up and built up and built up uh and and so that for me and maybe that, that's the ego part right it's just yes it wasn't even a, f- a fear of of showing the emotion and maybe that I was kind of worried underneath the stress. It was that my ego was just totally tricking me into identifying with this, like, but I'm relaxed and I'm calm. So that doesn't make sense. This feeling in my body just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it was almost like you're being hidden. That example was it being hidden so much from my ego. It wasn't even that I, was, I felt afraid. It was just totally hidden. And then when I was able to act to, to see it, I was able to let go of that stress. Yes. Um, a big one for me though has been with my mum. We've had lots of lots of struggles over times, and yeah. um, biggest one for me is being vulnerable in front of my mum. Interestingly, yeah. uh, and I haven't wanted to cry um, in front of her. That's been one of my yeah. my biggest struggles. Um, and, and what is it I'm afraid of? I suppose acceptance. You know if I, you know, vulnerable is, is leaving yourself open to attack, isn't it? Mm. And so it's that, is it safe? Yeah. Is it safe to leave myself open to attack? And with my mom, I love her very much. And she's been a wonderful mom, but there were some aspects where it didn't feel safe more as an adult, actually. For sure. And so I suppose it's about safety and, and that was one context where I didn't feel safe. Yeah. Now with other people, as I'm talking this out, it's because probably they just don't feel self safe in themselves. So if they're in a session or, you know, it's so they've got, they might have various things. They might not feel safe in front of the group that you're working with. That's a challenge for them. You know, they might not feel safe in front of people in general to show emotions. But the thing I really find as well is that they don't feel safe even on their own. Yeah. They're right, you know, and that's where the sessions come in. Is I give them a space, and I'm sure you do exactly the same. Is like I talk about how I cry, I talk about how I have struggles. Yeah, they're like, cool. Well, this guy, you know, if this numb nuts can do it, you know, <laughs> if yeah. this guy is okay and he seems all right and he talks about crying and being vulnerable, then maybe I can. And I give them that sure. container, 
For and sure. that's the first place where, again, not intellectually, they learn through an experience, just like in your groups. It's probably yes. it's powerful in even a different way with groups. Yes. That container. Yeah. And then they learn a bit like the bicycle wheels on a bike, you know, the stabilizers. We're the stabilizers for them. And also in yours, your group members, you create that atmosphere. So they all create stabilizers for men mm. to have the not intellectualization yeah, I can share my feelings. Yeah, I could do it. But an actual fucking experience. And they cry and they're scared to do it, but maybe they see someone else cry in the group. Yeah. Or I talk about crying. And then they just like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And they don't know how, going back to, the, you know, that how do I breathe? How do I, they're like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to now. It feels yes. like the juice is worth the squeeze. Yes. I'm going to do it. I'm scared. And then, and then it comes out and then there's you or there's me or there's a friend and someone and they just pick the right person it's safe yeah and then they get and then they get to learn you know then they get to actually learn and that's the jumping point that's the foundation and then the next time it comes around they're like i've done it and i don't know how i'm going to do it again but i want to do it and that's all we need the one to and they know they've done things before so and then it happens more and more and it's just like surfing it's just like riding having a good old cry or if you want to laugh it out yeah. it's the same it's a skill it's a it's a conscious unconscious connection and it's practicing that on your own if you can or if yes. you're not ready find someone like you find a group find someone like me find someone you feel safe with yes. probably helpful if it's a man yes that can give you that space so you can just learn just like anything else yes i i absolutely fucking love that um, th- thank, thank you for that share. There's, I, I honestly feel Richard, like I could talk to you for another two hours at least. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you lots of questions. I, I, dude, I, I honestly feel like we're just getting started. I, mm. I, I feel like we've just began the podcast, but it's been already 45 minutes and um, wow. I, I'm going to wind this down here. Um, sure. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I'd love to finish off with a question for the guys because we've ended off on vulnerability and that's the main reason why the guy has listened is how they can tap into the depth to themselves so that they can really express themselves and like while we're spinning on this ball of rock in the middle of the galaxy enjoy and not be so you know anxious or um, mm-hmm. yeah anxious is, is one of the main pain points for, for my men so mm-hmm. um, I'd love to know from you what's the way of being that you feel is the most potent for helping a man tap into the depth of himself? What's a lifestyle that is the most potent in your perspective that helps a man tap into the depth of himself? And if you could give the answer in a sentence or two to make it really simple and actionable, that would be appreciated. Ruby said that not my daughter, Rumi the poet, <laughs> said something like, who she's named after. It is not about seeking love, but it's about removing all the barriers that stop it. And so just anytime there's a barrier, Ooh, yeah. anytime there's a sensation you talked about, finding <sighs> sensation, just let it go. That's so good. That's so good. Lean into the resistance, baby. It's here yeah, to help lean, you. Lean into the resistance. That's lean it. In. And lean the in. last caveat to that is it's not a how to. That's the conscious mind. 
it's just a want to do you want to and you know you've done so many things before if you really want to do something you'll fucking do it you'll figure it out there's no there's no time restriction because either way is better beautiful thank you and um any of the guys listening like listen to this man he's just giving you gold like he's giving you roomy up in this bitch come on like (laughs) take some action on this um (laughs) yeah dude uh, and if there's a place that these guys can go, if they feel called to work with you, if they enjoyed your light energy, but also your logical side, the way you explain mm-hmm. things, um, how can they, how can they get in contact with you? Um, should they choose to? Sure. So they can visit me at um, Instagram, which is at the hypnotherapist, uh, uh, guy, almost yes. forgot it there. Uh, there's you- also, sorry, go on which is linked down in the, in the description for you guys that, that don't know how to spell that or <laughs> don't uh, yeah. remember that. I think, I think the hardest, the hardest one. It's a uh, long one. <laughs> I just like it. If I make it hard for people to find me, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> sure. finding the guru at the top of the mountain or, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then also a website would be, um, uh, the hypnotherapist guy.com. Yes. Beautiful. Um, thank you, Richard, so much for your time today. It was seriously a pleasure. I want to have you back on and, and book out a little bit more time or be able to go into something else because I really, truly enjoyed this. And, yeah, uh, and for all you guys listening, and for all you guys listening, thank you so much for taking the time and investing in yourself. And even if this was just a 45 minute podcast, you've done the work today, you know? So um, sending all of you lots of love and respect for showing up for yourself. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you. That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for watching or listening to this podcast episode. I hope it was valuable for you because I make these for you. I make these for people that want to transform their life to the next level and hopefully change the culture of masculinity at the same time. If you'd like to learn more about me and my work, you can check the description below and be sure to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any updates on the next episode that I will release. Thank you so much for watching and until next time, live a life that's true to you.